Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm Adam Best here on Wacky Wednesday with producer Sean and my partner in crime, Sterling Holmes. Speaking of crime, it was an interesting weekend in the kingdom. Patrick Mahomes is so great that people are out here robbing banks to make sure they get to see his greatness live. Allegedly. Allegedly robbing banks. Come on now, Adam. Allegedly. And I'll tell you what, I love going to to Arrowhead, but, and I love all of you out there in the kingdom, but if I'm at the stadium and I see you in a costume, I'm probably turning around and running the other way because we have some wild dudes in the kingdom. (laughs) Uh, Just the whole story is nuts. I was off Twitter for like five hours for my girlfriend's birthday and all of a sudden I come back to that debacle. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the alleged wolf allegedly going to a bank and allegedly robbing them. That's absurd. In Come Oklahoma on. Oklahoma on the way to the Houston Texans game. So I'm wondering if there's like some poor sap at the FBI who's like looking through the Chiefs' schedule from the last few years and trying to like connect the dots on these bank robberies. Just, just totally, totally nuts. And, you know, last year we had the, uh, the brawl between Red Extreme and X Factor. So I'm wondering if this is like a yearly tradition for uh, some super fan to do something crazy. Mm, please no. Please no. But you know what's not illegal? Drinking Casey Birko, giving and getting Casey Birko for Christmas, the holidays, uh, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. Get Casey Beerco. It is the best beer you will have. Casey Beerco, get it wherever you can find it, Kansas or Missouri. They've been brewing their beer with the Bavarian Beer Purity Law of 1516 using only four ingredients. A lot of the specialty beer is out now. I'm telling you, if you can get Casey Beer, grab Casey Beer. Give it as a gift. No one will say no. Drink it with them. Give them only five instead of six. Take one out for yourself. Trust me, it is worth it. Casey Beerco, dare to beer different. Time to get into uh, some awards. Let's do it, baby. You feeling it? The first award for week 15 is the Show Me the Money Award. Show me the money. That's it, brother. But you got to yell that shit. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. This one goes out to the Houston Texans, a bunch of guys playing their guts out to ensure their future employment. My grandfather, Bino Best, he actually played in the NFL back in the day, way, way back in the day, because I'm pretty old myself. He played for the uh, Chicago Cardinals and Green Bay Packers. And what he always used to tell us when we were little was he said, whatever team, whatever roster needed that game the most, that would make them desperate and therefore dangerous. And, and, you know, the Texans, they have they have more football players whose career, whose careers are not guaranteed. That's kind of the way I would put it. So you have a lot of these guys who don't want to find new vocations next season. They want to stick in the league. And putting something on tape against the best team in the league, hey, that may be a way to ensure they have a job next year. No, I think it's a very, very good point and one that we uh, can't let her, let go under the radar. These dudes, they don't care if they're going to make the playoffs because guess what? Newsflash, they are not. They're playing 
for their careers, their livelihood, this entire point of their lives have, this is the pinnacle for some of these guys. They're getting an opportunity to showcase what they can do. That is a very impactful and important thing. Uh, a man with nothing to lose, right? Their mom's or maybe a man moment, right? with everything to lose. By the way, you said your grandpa played in the NFL. How he are sure, you just going to gloss over that? He sure did. Yeah, he did. For what did he play? Uh, he played tight end. Back when tight ends were, he played tight end and tackle back when 240 would have made you huge. I mean, I mean, he, no face mask, you know, that's how long ago this was leather helmets. Those guys were, were tough. Those guys were way tougher than any of us now. Um, But you got to give it up to head coach, Lovey Smith and that entire roster. I think they played their guts out. And another thing to note about the national football league, this is not the NBA. You can't go out there. If you're tanking or you're coasting, you'll get hurt. There's only one speed to play football. And that's full speed. Yeah. No, very, very good point. I think it's a great point you brought up. And I'm glad we were able to at least touch on that. Houston, not good, but Houston. They're playing for careers. That means something. Let's get into the next award, the How Hard You Can Get Hit Award. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. A little Sly Stallone. Uh, This one goes out to Juju Smith-Schuster for being one tough SOB. Dude is getting hit nonstop. I feel bad for him. Honestly, it feels like every single hit he takes is a shot to the dome. I I don't know if this is something he's doing, if he's lowering or something, but he gets hit all the time. The fact he keeps getting back up has been incredible. 10 receptions, 10 targets last week. You love seeing the connection he has with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, He's grown into, as you like to mention, the miniature Travis Kelsey, right? A guy who is a zone beater. Not the most athletic guy out there, but he finds ways to get it done. By the way, can you give us a little Rocky Balboa? Can you give a a little uh, little accent going on there? Hey, uh, yo, yo, Adrian. (laughs) Not bad. Sometimes when when you win, you really lose. And sometimes when you lose, you really win. I don't know. That's surprisingly not bad. Way better than I can do. I'll give you that one, Adam. Cool. Uh, I agree with you. Homeboy is fearless. He sits down in the middle. He knows what's coming. He knows he's a big, broad dude that's going to take a shot. He does it anyway. Uh, And also, let's let's give some props to the blocking. On the game winner for McKinnon, who was downfield – totally sealing off a corner and allowing that thing to go to the house. That was Juju Smith-Schuster. Him and Marquez Valdez-Scantling both are are two of the best blocking receivers in the league. And that's going to come in handy in the playoffs, given the penchant the Chiefs have for the little screens, the little end arounds, even the yak of Travis Kelsey. You get guys in open space and you have these big receivers who who are willing and intelligent about how to throw their bodies in front of defenders that could, you know, that could be an extra 10 yards, a touchdown. I, I would say Juju Smith-Schuster has been a revelation for Kansas City this year. Everyone kept talking about what's going to happen with the loss of Tyree Kill. And while they are completely different players, Juju Smith-Schuster is showing you don't have to have the at, uh, elite athleticism to make an impact in a game. 
he's been a legitimate wide receiver one this season. And myself included, I love the signing, but I go, all right, well, he's a really good wide receiver too. I don't think he's quite there to the cusp of wide receiver one. And he's played this entire season like a top 15. I'd probably say top 15 NFL wide receiver. Uh, he's having maybe his best career uh, in the NFL. And it's his first year with Patrick. I hope he comes back because I love to see him grow with the best quarterback in the NFL. He's pretty close to top 15. His yards per route run, which is my favorite stat for wide receiver efficiency. He's number 20 there. And that's considering that I do think the concussion – that slowed him down a little bit. He was really rolling before the concussion. And then I think it, it's taken him a few games to get back in his groove. We don't know what that's like. We don't know how he's been suffering with his headaches or whatnot. Um, we just assume that these guys, hey, they set out a week and they come back good as new. That may not be the case. Let's get into the next award. I mentioned Patrick. This one's for the Golden God Award. I am a golden god! I am a golden god! Almost famous, one of my all-time favorites. And like Sterling said, the winner is Patrick Mahomes, of course. Mahomes now owns the NFL record for the highest completion percentage in a game with 40 or more passing attempts. He went 36 of 41, good for a pretty insane 88% clip. He also connected on 20 consecutive completions to close out the game. That streak is a new career, career high, and it is still going. And, and this is, he has something in his sights that I would really like to see him break as far as records are concerned. So he has 4,809 4, combined passing and rushing yards. He needs 754 more yards to break Drew Brees' all-time record of 5,562. So what will get him there? Uh, about 250 yards per game total, not just passing, passing and rushing. Mahomes should do that in his sleep. Yes, Breeze did it in 16 games. Mahomes is going to do it in 17 games. But a record is a record. And, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, he stays healthy. He is going to break that record. Well, he could do it in 16. It's still possible. Sure. It, it's not impossible at all. And if the defense is playing like they're playing recently, I think you might say it could happen. It might be getting more and more likely. Uh, I will say, how wild is it that we're getting so used to Patrick's greatness that he does this and he's not even the main storyline? The main storyline is uh, special teams, defense, fumbles. We've almost forgot that without Patrick being nearly perfect, the Chiefs don't win that game. There was one throw that really stood out. And even I myself, I think I've become victim of this where I get so fixated on the one thing he does wrong in a game instead of the 39,000 things he does right. I keep bringing up the MVS throw where MVS was open. I think MVS read that play right. Uh, and Mahomes thought he was going to flatten out. He did not. And he missed. Okay, he made one bad read. The rest of the game, he was outstanding. He would have even more if Justin Watson comes down with that ball. Oh, my God. That pass, he's running to the side in the end zone and just rocket launches it while he's moving. I'm not even sure his feet are planted at all. They may be totally off the ground. Just a 50-yard dime. It, would it have been a tough reception to make? Hell, yeah. But Watson could have easily made that. So, to me, 
it comes down to we need to appreciate more what Mahomes does. Don't just take him for granted because even with Alex Smith, if he had a game like this, we would be talking about it for months. For months. That's but because right. Mahomes makes it look so easy. We're sitting here going, okay, yeah, Mahomes is great, right? He was great setting records, this, that, and the other. Let's talk about how uh, there might be an issue with Tommy Townsend in his holding. To me, he was the story of the game, though, because third and, third and 11, you've already been conservative on that series up, up until there. I'm talking about the end of the game. They throw a little screen. I think it's third and 11. They throw a screen, which is basically them saying, we're not going to give Patrick a chance to win the game. We are going to instead entrust the shaky leg of Harrison Butker. Horrible decision. Horrible, horrible, horrible decision. There was another time where they they kicked on fourth and two. I mean, what are you paying this guy $45 million for? You got to trust him, Andy. You can't, you can't, maybe it's the opponent and he just tends to be a little bit more conservative uh, when playing an inferior opponent. But I think you got to entrust what looks like the MVP now that Jalen Hurts is dealing with this shoulder injury. I, I think you can pretty much crown Patrick. Uh, you got to entrust the MVP. Uh, I'm with you. I think that Jalen Hurts missing any games, unless it's going to be the final game of the season, you have to play. You have to be there. I know that if uh, the Eagles lose, folks are going to end up saying, well, look how much better Jalen Hurts makes this team. It's unfair. And I've been a massive Jalen Hurts supporter all season long, but you have to play. You have to play. Mahomes, if he keeps playing, he is easily the... Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. MVP. Uh, let's get into the final award. The Bubonic Plague Award. Compared to what? The bubonic plague? <laughs> Step on up, Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs defense, this trophy is yours. The Chiefs were 26th in defensive DVOA in Week 15, despite playing against, let's be honest, what was pretty much the Texans' junior varsity offense. No Damian Pierce. No Brandon Cooks. No Nico Collins. Uh, really, already the, probably the worst offense in the league. Now is even more diminished. 
Uh, and sure, Charles, uh, Carl Cheffers, God, I can't even, don't even want to say that name. It frustrates me so much. His flag happiness didn't help, but that doesn't explain all the struggles of the defense. And what was most alarming to me was Chris Jones, right? Chris Jones is sick, so he's ineffective. And then we all witnessed how much the defense struggles without him being a game wrecker there in the middle. He is the son that the defense revolves around. And when he couldn't show up and, and be health, him, his healthy self, whew, this defense looked like a bottom five defense in the league. And if they play that kind of performance, Juan Thornhill and Willie Gay running around just looking completely lost out there. If they do that in the playoffs, they're going to get home, uh, sent home packing. Yeah, what I've noticed is teams are taking advantage of the middle of the field against Kansas City against Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., Juan Thornhill, and Justin Reed. I'm not saying they're bad players, but, for example, where Willie Gay Jr. and especially Nick Bolton, what's Nick Bolton's weakness? Pass coverage. We know this. This is not new. I'm a massive Mizzou fan. I have a Nick Bolton jersey. You know, I, I always back my guy. But coming out of college and what we've seen in the NFL, that's his weakness. So teams are trying to take advantage of that. We also saw why Willie Gay Jr. is not a third down back. We saw why it's Nick Bolton still in covered situations because at least he's more or so less in the right spot. Willie Gay Jr. still looks a little lost at times in that role. These guys are young. I'm not saying it's doom and gloom, but I think we're starting to see teams test out the middle of this Chiefs defense, but that also includes the safeties who, in my opinion, that's the weak link of this Chiefs defense. Juan Thornhill, Justin Reed. I'm not saying they've been horrible, but if there is a weakness, I think it's those two guys in that position group. And teams, as the season's progressed, have figured that out. Trent McDuffie, uh, Joshua Williams did not have their best game. Uh, I'm not necessarily as worried about those two guys, even though they are rookies. You're going to go through the tribe and tribulations of young dudes figuring out the NFL. It comes down to, can they get pressure with four? Chiefs have struggled there. I know Colin Saunders was on Twitter today calling out some guys. Log I do off. Think he, Log I, off. Correct. I think he brought up some good points. But I think what it comes down to, fans are not upset at the overall sack numbers. They look good. You know, top four in the NFL. It comes down to, can you do it against the teams you're going to face in the playoffs? The Bills and the Bengals. Chris Jones being... Sick cannot just all of a sudden make your defensive line and defense go to shit. I understand Carl Sheffers, uh, he was he was two scoops of ass. He was horrendous. The fact he's allowed to do Chiefs games blows my mind. Do you think there would be some sort of, of NFL policy where if a dude's scared to call a penalty in the second half because Chiefs fans make you cry, you're no longer allowed to be a ref of that team? Someone please start a petition. I mean, he obviously has something against Travis Kelsey. I think Kelsey to an extent was a little bit in the wrong, not initially, but we always know it's the second guy that gets called, right? They were not letting Travis Kelsey up. It was a Bushley play by the Houston Texans uh, uh, safety. I think it was the safety on that play, but Travis Kelsey shouldn't have reacted like that. Of course it went against Travis Kelsey because Kelsey called out Carl Sheffers before. Footlocker. That's a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Either way, defense, I know they're going up against a turnover prone offense in recent weeks. But that does not mean you have to give up a touchdown. Hold them to a field goal. Make a turnover of your own. Force one. Uh, defense has not been good, but I'm not necessarily 
Um, completely, completely worried because I do think this is a young, young defense that can turn it around. The thing about Colin Saunders sharing those sack numbers, sacks are kind of a counting stat. And when you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you're the most prolific offense in the entire NFL, teams have to come out and throw against you. So that gives you a lot of opportunities. I look more at pass rush win rate and, and pressures and things of that nature. And also, Chris Jones is, is arguably the defensive player of the year. He's racking up sacks. He has the most, or at least coming into this game, the most pass rush wins in the entire league, including anybody. We mentioned that last week. So the problem is the other guys aren't getting it done. Uh, one glimmer of hope, and this is the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde player, was Frank Clark. Frank Clark was actually, according to PFF, the highest graded player on the entire team, a 91.7 uh, grade. And he really saved the day with that punch out, with that strip of Davis Mills that Willie Gay uh, just used grown man strength to recover and, and really um, prevented what could have been a humiliating loss to the Texans. So you never know what you're going to get with Frank. Uh just flip a coin. He could totally be irrelevant and he could be one of the better players on the, on the field. Let's hope he has another streak in him for the playoffs. What I find a little fascinating is I find myself saying, well, Frank Clark's had a better season than I expected. I find myself saying Carlos Dunlap has been a nice acquisition. and has actually been more impactful. I would say than Melvin Ingram, George Karloftis is really starting to come into his own lately and the pressure numbers all season long have been fine for Karloftis. Chris Jones looks like defensive player of the year, or at least a candidate for it. Colin Saunders had that nice stretch of games. Brandon Williams looks good in his return with Joe Cullen. And yet I still find myself saying this Chiefs defensive line has underperformed. And the only reason why I say that is because they've underperformed in the big games. The fact of the matter is the Chiefs have not had a, or should I say as many big games as we initially thought. The Rams game we thought was going to be a big game. We thought the Chargers games were going to be bigger games just based on the fact that it's against a division rival. And, of course, the national media loves to crown the Chargers as the NFL preseason champions every single year. What happens is them. So the Chiefs haven't had as many opportunities, I should say, as we once thought to play in these big, big games. But also the, the main two, I keep going back to it because it's true. Those are the games this Chiefs D-line has to step up against these are the teams that will be playing in the playoffs. That's what I'm really looking forward to. And when you're looking at sacks, well, LeJarius Need gets snacks or sacks. Uh, the linebacker maybe snacks, snacks too. They might get some snacks too. He deserves snacks for the way he's played this year. He's played like an all pro, <laughs> maybe one of two guys on this team who has, but uh, that includes blitzes. The problem is when the Chiefs send four just the defensive line, and they need the defensive line to get pressure. If Chris Jones doesn't win, it ain't happening. And that's the problem, especially when they need someone else to step up and close against Joe Burrow, against Josh Allen in the crunch time. Uh, nobody's really doing that. Let's get into hot take kingdom. This is where Adam comes up with a hot take, lays out why it is or is not a hot take and why we should either agree or disagree with him. We will end this with a poll where you listeners will be able to vote in your own right to see what you guys think. 
I will then decide if I'm going into the kingdom with him or if I'm saying, no, that's a stupid ass take. Adam, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to agree with you, man. That's just too much. Uh, we'll see. Adam, what do you have for us this week? And to be fair, you usually do not come in, but I'm hopeful this week. I'm hopeful. This week's hot take kingdom is the Mahomes era Chiefs will eventually break the Brady era Patriots record of 11 consecutive divisional titles. That's juicy. Uh, all right, lay it out for me. So the Chiefs have already won seven straight AFC West titles, which ties them with the Rams for second most consecutive division titles in league history. The Patriots record of 11 straight. You know, five years ago, we would have said that was unbreakable. But then Patrick Mahomes happened. And I don't think them rattling off four or five more division titles is unthinkable at this point. Here's why. They have the best foundation of any franchise in the NFL. Let's run through this. Mahomes is the league's best quarterback. I think that's been established this year. Coming into this year, people thought, oh, is Josh Allen, is he right there? Is Justin Herbert? He's in a tier of his own. Andy Reid is a top three coach. And I would argue for this particular moment in the league where it's as pass happy as ever, he, he might be the top coach for the moment. You have an owner in Clark Hunt who is willing to get aggressive and spend and and checks his ego and really uh, he's just been a great compliment to Brett Veach, who is an aggressive yet competent GM. Is he always is he always perfect? No, but I think he's been one of the 10 best GMs since he took over. And then you have Arrowhead, easily one of the best home field advantages in sports. So again, all that gives Kansas City what I think is the NFL's sturdiest foundation. Now, let's look at something not so sturdy, and that's the rest of the AFC West. The Broncos are, anch- are anchored to the carcass of Russell Wilson, and, that, and that's probably going to be the case for like another four or five years. They are not getting out of this deal until, until something like 2027. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I also believe they have no first-round pick. That goes to Seattle. And that would have been what? Top five, top six, top seven pick. Could have been a superstar. Now the Raiders are one of the cash poorest teams in the entire NFL. Their ownership simply doesn't have the bankroll to compete. That's probably why they won't fire their coach, even though he's seriously underachieved for the second time uh, with a new AFC West team. Josh McDaniels, just unbelievable uh, that people keep hiring uh, Bill Belichick's um, the guys that are kind of riding his coattails, but it, it keeps happening and it keeps failing. And then Vegas also has a quarterback conundrum. Derek Carr, he's top 15, maybe even top 13. He's in that Kirk Cousins range, but that's just simply not good enough to keep up with the Mahomeses, right? Now, the Chargers, they put the most fear into me, but don't love their ownership. They have one of the least passionate fan bases in football. Their, their home field advantage is completely non-existent. Uh, so in my opinion, none of these three franchises have that great of, of a foundation. Now, I think the Chargers have a good one because of Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is a franchise quarterback. They've found that. But none of those teams have found their coach of the future. Not one of them. And, and I think that's far from ideal when you're going up against a big red. 
I mean, you can. You, are you going to argue for Brandon Staley? Because I think yeah, there might yeah, be an I, argument for him, but he has so far for a someone who's been hailed as this defensive guru and genius. His defense has not looked. Um, you know, he's not doing Vic Fangio things out there, right? Correct. No, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm actually with you 100%. I think going into this year, I even said. If there was any year where the Chiefs were not going to win the the AFC West, it was probably going to be this year, just with all the youth pieces, right? Yeah. But, but guess what? They already have, and it's not even Christmas. The Raiders are screwed, and not just because I I think Derek Carr is actually a good quarterback, and you can win with Derek Carr. The issue is you have to have everyone else surround him be the guy. It has to be like what the 49ers have. It has to be like what Miami has. You have to be so talented on both sides of the ball. He has weapons, but Mm -hmm. Darren Waller, injured. Hunter Renfro, injured. You can make the case that maybe those guys being back next year, you could see a better Raiders team, but the offensive line still has a lot of issues. Defensively, Defensively, they're not great. And again, you mentioned it, Josh McDaniels, not a good head coach. I, I just don't see them uh, being a team that competes for an AFC West title. You have to win 12 plus games. They might make the playoffs here and there, but they don't seem like a legitimate contender for the AFC West title. So I'm crossing them out when it comes to the, and they don't draft well, by the way, that's not something they do well. That really takes out a part of this. Cause we're talking four years, not next year, but four years, they don't draft. Well, it's that would be do. the only caveat here is if they could start over and somehow trade up and hit on a rookie quarterback and get a franchise quarterback on a rookie deal like the Chargers and Bengals have right now. That is a huge competitive advantage, but I don't see how how they can possibly do that. I don't see that happening, and they did Max Crosby. That was a great, great draft pick right there. I'll give them that one. But do you even trust if they draft up to draft the right quarterback? Because I sure don't. They would somehow draft Trubisky. That's what. That's something that that organization would do. Uh, when it comes Zach to Wilson. The, the Broncos, uh, I will say the Broncos are just a absolute unmitigated dumpster fire. They are. Russell Wilson, that contract, they're going nowhere. Uh, defensively, they're great, but eventually, guess what? They're going to have to pay those guys. A lot of those defensive players that are legit are going to have to go somewhere else because you know why? They paid Russell Wilson. Congratulations, Vaunted defense. They're gone for Russell Wilson. Nice. So yeah, the Broncos to me, they're they're just uh, not a good organizational structure, not a good head coach, not a good quarterback, and then they're going to have to pay the defense. They're done for the next four years at least. That leaves the Chargers. While I think they're very talented, they are always perpetually hurt. I hate saying injuries or because it, it, it's different. Every year, it's tough to predict injuries, but one that you can predict the Chargers to have major injuries. I hate it. It's not fair. It's not fun to those guys. I'd never wish injury on a player, but it happens. Until something's different, until they stop underperforming, how can you go with them? I know half the national media next year will say, well, it's going to be the Chargers. Finally, Justin Herbert breaking to the surface. Until they do, I can't see that happening. Uh, Keenan uh, Allen, not getting any younger. Mike Williams is a Kansas City killer but seemingly only steps up against Kansas City. Their offensive He's no line, spring chicken either. No, and their offensive line's not great. Uh, their defense, they have guys, but they never seem to put it together. I do like Brandon Staley, full transparency. I think he's the right guy. Uh, I think Joe Lombardi is a very poor offensive coordinator. He is limiting 
Justin Herbert. So until they get a right OC for Herbert, I don't see them realizing their full potential offensively. That's a major issue, again, like we mentioned, with their wide receivers getting older and not being able to stay healthy. The Chiefs have the probably best young talent, best quarterback, the best head coach, best organizational structure, right, from ownership to GM to head coach. I would say yes, they win the next four straight, and I don't think it's even a hot take at this point. I think they should be expected to. That's what makes it so crazy. This Chiefs dominance is unbelievable. The fact that at one point, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos all had 15 AFC West titles. Seattle had two. Chiefs had eight. They are now tied. This is just a incredible display of Chiefs dominance over their division. One that I think is going to continue. And one I think we need to bask in the glory and appreciate how good this really is. Now, another note on the Chargers is that Justin Herbert, he's going to want a new deal. Maybe as soon as this summer. So that happens. They're going to have a lot less cap room to play with. They will get Rashawn Slater back their stud left tackle. I think that has seriously hurt Justin Herbert and the entire offense this year. But uh, also Austin Eckler, not young. Most of their best players are, are aging, are kind of diminishing. Still good, but maybe on the downward slope of their, of their prime. The only thing you could say for Kansas City is obviously Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is older, Um He's a freak athlete. He's one of one. He might play until he's 47. He might be the Tom Brady of tight ends. Who knows? But that is something to at least monitor going I have a theory. Okay, go ahead. Paul Rudd, who we all know, just look (laughs) at him, has discovered the fountain of youth. He has shared that information with Travis Kelsey. That is the only explanation that, that, that I've come up with for him being easily easily the best tight end at 33 years old uh what are some other pitfalls for the chiefs well they play a first place schedule every year because they win the division but they've been doing that for six years right and i think every year when the schedule comes out you look at it oh my god the the rams that's the toughest game on our schedule they're the super bowl champions it ends up being the easiest game on the schedule there's a lot of variance a lot of fluctuation in the nfl And I think one advantage the Chiefs have is they have that continuity of their brain trust. And we know offensive dominance, dominance, excuse me, is more sticky than than dominance on the other side of the ball. I think that gives them an advantage over, say, a team like San Francisco, which is more run the ball defensively oriented. Well, I will say this. I am all in, Adam. I am all in. I lower the gates, old boys coming in, get the burnt ends ready, get the extra hot barbecue sauce slathered up. I'm I'm a spice guy myself. Mm. Give me that at Casey beer. And you you know, whatever you say, if you say there's burnt ends in Casey beer, odds are I'm probably in, I'm probably going to be there. We'll hook you up. (laughs) Let's get in to the next segment the kc stock market pump or dump this is a very fun one i'm glad adam was a smart guy and came up with the segment because i honestly thoroughly enjoy it even if some of the jokes uh they don't always land 
let's let's be honest. We're 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 uh, podcasters. We're not trained comedians. I we just try saw. Them. I just saw David Keckner by the way this past weekend. So funny. Uh, David Keckner, nice guy. I, I I see him a decent amount from the uh, Big Slick. Uh, so I wanted to. We went out and supported him. Me, my girlfriend, my parents. One joke I want to say really quickly that I thought was so true. You know, for the holiday season, the first time you're in a relationship, that first year, that first Christmas together, you go to Hallmark. You buy the nice wrapping paper. You take time, the good scotch tape. It's like an art piece that you hand to your girlfriend, right? Okay. Second year, what you do, you go to the dollar store. That's wrapping paper. It's not as thick, not as luxurious. You don't take as much time because you know why? It's going to get ripped up anyways. It's still wrapping paper. I'm still taking time to wrap this bad boy for her. Then the third year comes along. Bags. Throw that bad boy in a bag. Don't wrap it. That takes too much time. Throw that bad boy in a bag. Call it a day. Fourth year. It's just the Amazon package. Just the bag it comes in when it gets shipped to your door. It's still packaged. She has no idea what's in it. Why would I wrap it and waste wrapping paper? I'm saving money. Then after that, you start giving things to her on like December 19th, December 20th, whenever it comes in the mail. Hey, hey, babe, I got you this. I hope you like it. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. It's so true. And by the way, I'm on the bag phase. I'm totally on. Put everything in a bag. Yeah, I'm five years in. So that that rung pretty true for me. <laughs> it hurt. It hurt. So let's get into the Casey stock market. The first one, according to former punter Dustin Colquitt, one issue with Harrison Butker's inaccuracy this season is actually Tommy Townsend. Tommy Townsend's holding. You're gonna pump and dump. This is both for Sterling and the uh, the addicts in the chat. Mm. I'm actually probably gonna dump, but I think I think it plays a part, but I don't think it's the major reason why. If that makes sense. I was talking to Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. We do a weekly uh, chat, little sit down. It's on Sports Radio 810 ESPN Kansas City. Talked to him last night. And he basically was saying, it does make a difference, but it majority majority makes a difference from 50 yards out. Uh, It doesn't necessarily explain the extra point misses. It can uh, make a difference instead of you having the ball tilted to the left slightly on one end, it's a little to the right. What's going to happen? You're going to hook that. But at some point, it is on the kicker. Uh, that is the uh, the main aspect here. Everything comes into play, but at some point the kicker has to make the kicks. I do think Harrison Bucker might still be feeling a little uh, little hurt, a little injured from what happened early on this year. It's not easy for a kicker to come back with that ankle injury. I would probably say dump, although I do think it makes a factor. I, I think it's a, a multifaceted issue, not just Tommy Townsend. I'm dumping. This is an Ace Ventura excuse. Uh, you know, he even gotta, said that. <laughs> you got to, you just got to make, you got to make the kicks. You yeah. are supposed to be one of the most clutch kickers in the league. Uh, Tommy Townsend has to do better. You know, I would say you've got one job, but Tommy Townsend obviously has two, mm-hmm. but that's still a lot less than a lot of the other guys have to worry about on the team. Yeah, and Tommy Townsend, give him credit. He won, uh, was the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. So, uh, very good punter, Tommy Townsend. Not bad. Uh, Let's get into the next pump or dump. The Chiefs' lack of pressure from the edge, along with the offensive tackle surrendering edge pressure, is a dangerous 
dichotomy for the Chiefs. Pump or dump? That's a big pump for me. This is my number one worry heading into the offseason. I mean, the postseason, excuse me, is that uh, the Chiefs will not be able to get home when they're playing Joe Burrow, when they're playing Josh Allen, maybe even Tua, maybe even Herbert. And that opposing teams, we even saw this on Sunday in overtime, third down. Mahomes did not have enough time. He got sacked. So if Mahomes doesn't have enough time uh, down the stretch and the other quarterbacks do, I mean, that is, that's a, that's a slippery slope. One that I hope we can, uh, we can turn around. You know, we need Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley to, to go on a hot streak. We've seen them be sturdy for three or four games. And then they, then they just have terrible games out of nowhere and kind of play a little shaky for a while. They're really up and down. Both of them are kind of roller coasters. So we need them to be steady in the postseason. We also need, I don't know if it's Carl Loftus to go on a heater, Dunlap to pull up, you know, kind of a, a vintage run of his own, Frank Clark to dip in that 2019 bag. We need one of those other guys on the defensive line to step up and help Chris Jones. So that's a, that's a big pump for me. I'm going to pump, but not quite as big as yours. Uh, I think the offensive line uh, is being made a slightly larger issue than it really is. I'm not a massive Orlando Brown supporter. You know this. Whoever listens to the show knows this. Um, I've been very critical of him. The past five weeks or so, he's been legitimately solid. He's not been an issue. The one game he was an issue, I will say, was the Bengals game, which, again, does give you a little cause to pause. Again, that's the most elite team you're going to face in the playoffs, right? Uh, Andrew Wiley has been an issue, but an underrated aspect. I think Blake Bell, with his return, whenever he comes back, he is going to help chipping with either Orlando Brown Jr. or Andrew Wiley. The Chiefs, when they use two tight end sets, how often do you see offensive line issues? Way, way, way less. Noah Gray and Jody Fortune have both improved in that role, but they're not Blake Bell when it comes to blocking. I think the Chiefs carry four tight ends mm -hmm. once Blake Bell's back, and I think this becomes a lesser of an issue as it goes on. That's just my opinion. You're talking to Daniel Harms, film analyst for RGR. He, he agreed with me. I talked to him last night and we're on the same page here. We think that Blake Bell's return could actually spell some, some help for the O-line. I would agree with that. The downside of that is the chiefs offensively like to get five players out running routes. And if you have Blake Bell in there, not only is he not as good of a receiving weapon as basically any other receiver on the team, uh, maybe not, you know, Michael Burton, but you know what I'm saying? Hmm. You can't do that. He either chips and stays in or he gets out. You have an inferior receiver getting out into a route late. I prefer the tackles just be able to, you know, hold up out there on an Island by themselves, but that might not be the world we live in this year. Yeah. Uh, I see what's the expert insight as to why the O-line has these odd games where they play poorly. Uh, I think what we saw sometimes was when Joe Tooney was out at left guard, the communication broke down. It, it shows why he's so important, why he was paid that much money as a guard, right? That's very rare to see a guard get paid that much money. What Joe Tooney brings, we saw Creed Humphrey struggle in his absence. We saw Larry Brown Jr. have his worst games in his absence. Um, I also think going up against the Bengals with Trey Hendrickson, 
the other guys in the Bengals pass rush, that was an issue. I don't know if it, the spotlight was too big on Orlando Brown Jr. He put too much pressure on himself. But we saw him and Andrew Wiley really struggle that game as well as against Buffalo. Uh, that's, again, why we have those, those issues. Uh, let's get into the next uh, pump or dump. Trip McDuffie has only allowed 158 receiving yards all season. The rookie corner is a future all-pro pump or dump. I'm a pretty solid pump on this one. He did have one play against Chris Moore where he gave up 34 yards. But outside of that, I think he had 32 coverage snaps, 19 of them in press. He was pretty flawless, honestly. And, you know, he's, he's a rookie. He's a rookie who started only half the season. So there's going to be some blips. But overall, I think he may be one of the first blue chips Brett Veach has drafted. Maybe the first. I, I guess you consider Patrick Mahomes his first offensive one. So I'm talking about like, is this guy going to be a, a Revis Ramsey Zaire, uh, Jair Alexander type um, corner. And I think that's, that's in his range of outcomes. I don't think he gets to all pro. I think he is a top 10 cornerback. I think he'll get there. But all pro means, again, you're Jalen Ramsey, Zaire Alexander, um, J.C. Jackson. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know if he gets there. And the reason why, too, is the rookie corners in his class have also been outstanding. Sauce Gardner. (sighs) Sauce Gardner is already an all pro. Uh, Tariq Woolen for Seattle and then Jack Jones for the Patriots. I'm not saying Trip McDuffie is going to be a bad corner. I think he's probably ends up being top 10. But I think some of the size could play against him. That was obviously the knock. Uh, I don't. I don't think the arm length is as big of an issue as the actual height potentially. Uh, he's very, very crafty. He he uses the sideline uh, very, very well. I just don't know if he ever gets to All Pro because All Pro means you're top what top four. Would that would yeah. be top four? I don't know if he's ever top four. He'll be top ten in my opinion, but I think this would be a slight dump in my opinion. He's such a cerebral player and such a committed person that I think he might end up being more consistent than a lot of the cornerback position fluctuates pretty wildly. Even these guys at the tops at the top sometimes have rough seasons. Uh, Jalen Ramsey last year had a little bit of a down year for him. So if he can just consistently be in the top 10 or top 12 without any of these down years, that could almost be as valuable as him being an all pro, all pro, just a guy that is rock solid out there that Spags or whoever our defensive coordinator is next year and, and moving forward can always count on, you know, I don't have to worry about whatever side of the field this dude's on because he's got it on lock. I think that's what we're looking with uh, for with Trent McDuffie uh, and, and hopefully he can just continue to develop. What I will say is to me, as good as I think Trent McDuffie is going to be again, I think he could be a top 10 corner. He seems like a safer pick. I see like, you know, Tariq Woolen, Jack Jones, right? Those were some upside picks. I would say even Joshua Williams, that's a high upside pick dude from a small school, but the size, the athleticism's there. I think mm-hmm. George Karloftis to an extent was a safe pick, right? Yeah. To me, that's a safe pick. He's not going to have the, the upside, but maybe he gets to eight to 12 sacks, the Tom Bahali, the high motor guy. It's not Justin Houston, 
but he's a high motor guy who can be a phenomenal uh, second edge rusher on a, you know, defense first team. The Chiefs went, in my opinion, slightly lower ceiling, higher floor guys. That's where I'm at. Yeah, they went for doubles and triples instead of, uh, you know, going for a home run and striking out. Yeah, and they needed to, by the way, because if not, if George Koloftis, whatever your thoughts are on him, if he was not here on this team this year and they drafted a developmental <laughs> edge rusher, say it was uh, TK, passing you. Whoa, this would look a lot different right now. Ooh. Think if it was Breland Speaks, another developmental guy. Whoa, a lot different right now. What if instead of Trent McDuffie? That name, uh, that name gives me heartburn. Yeah, we need to ban Braylon Speaks from from the kingdom, like, <laughs> it, like on the burn list. You know, Ryan Sims, few other names. Just do not Voldemort yeah. style. You just don't say it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get into the final pump or dump. Andy Reid has a situational conservative streak that rears its ugly head on some third and fourth down conversions and in late game situation. It can be considered his Achilles heel pump or dump. Unfortunately, I'm pumping. I, I, you know, I saw a graph that had basically um, conservative, aggressive, confused in terms of coaching and and fourth down uh, decision making. And Andy was actually kind of lumped in there uh, with uh, Shanahan on, on the confused area. So it's not that he's not aggressive sometimes, but on these situations where they're kind of flip-flops, you know, toss-ups, he almost always kicks or punts. And my issue with this is the Eagles are the most aggressive fourth down team in the league. When teams play the Chiefs, they're basically the Eagles. They are more aggressive against the Chiefs than any other team. I, I don't even need to see the stat to know that. We've seen this for, for years now when, when teams, you know, going forward and fourth and nine doing crazy shit. And sometimes I think Andy Reid fails to recognize the aggression uh, the other team is bringing and how he needs to counter it. And, and my other issue is Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the league. Give him that extra down. And I think more often than not, he is going to, he's going to um, give you the payoff. Now, there are situations like 13 seconds left. You have to kick that field goal, right? At the end of that, uh, the first half in the AFC um, championship against the Bengals, when you either get in the end zone or you go in with no points, they needed to kick the field goal there too. I, I, I'm not a lunatic. At some points, you have to kick field goals. But I think you also have to recognize when teams play the Chiefs, they are the hunted. Other teams throw everything at them, but the, but the kitchen sink. I mean, probably including the kitchen sink. And if you are conservative, that might lose you the game. I'm going to go with a pump, but I don't think it's as dire as maybe you believe it to be. Because I do think sometimes he's almost too aggressive for his own good. The third and four, and the play was Justin Watson deep. Now, that's not all on Andy Reid. I'm sure there's other routes run, but that to me seemed like way too aggressive, whether it's Patrick or Andy on that on that play call, third and four in OT against Houston. That was a very aggressive play call, right? Uh, we've seen on Pretty third early and in the game. four, third and five uh, earlier on this season, 
was it against the Cincinnati Bengals when they were, I said, run the ball. You're gouging them on the ground. If you run the ball, you have two opportunities. Because say you get up three or four and don't get the first down. What do you do? You probably run it again. Well, they drop back to pass, incomplete, bring on Butker for what was it, like a 55-yarder, and he misses it. If you're going to go with Mahomes, stick with Mahomes. There's where your aggressive nature should, should come into play. Either double down or go and run the ball twice. I don't know if it's his major Achilles heel, but it's an issue. I don't think he's as conservative as some people think, but at certain times, he doesn't realize it feels like that Mahomes is back there, that this offense is that good, that you can also gouge the other team on the ground. So it's a mixture of being too aggressive at times and being too conservative at times. Maybe this is me just waffling in the middle. It's but it not. feels like sometimes he's, he's he inconsistent. The, yeah, the smartest guy in the room is what it feels like sometimes. Yeah, he's inconsistent. And you throw in his clock management woes, which are have been long chronicled, dating back to his days in Philly, right? He's always kind of had that issue. He had that issue in the Super Bowl, the second Super Bowl. Uh one reason why this is a little bit of an issue for me, I'm looking at the Buffalo Bills, who are actually one of the most conservative fourth down teams in the league. I don't know if they'll play like that against the Chiefs, but we've seen them play like that against the Chiefs a little bit. Uh, go Not go for it on fourth down when other teams would. So I see an advantage over one of the two teams that are the biggest roadblocks for our Super Bowl journey. And you got to take advantage of it. You know, you just got to trust Patrick. I mean, I'll just keep, keep hammering it. Number 15 is the guy. Just trust him. Hmm. I will say Andy Reid will forget more about football than we will ever know. He's a Hall of Fame head coach. Uh, slight criticisms do not mean that I want Andy Reid no longer here in Kansas City. No, no, no. Andy can stay as long as he chooses. Correct. Uh, let's get into the analytics addict. What do you have for us? Travis Kelsey. Earlier you mentioned not taking Mahomes for granted. It is the same story with Kelsey. He's fifth in receptions, sixth in receiving yards, and tied for first for receiving touchdowns. That's not among tight ends. That's all players. And he does this every year. I haven't looked at where it's at right now, but over the past seven seasons, he has a few times been the leader for most receiving yards over the past seven seasons. He and Devontae Adams are kind of going back and forth. Um, just incredible that he is, as a tight end, keeping up with Devontae freaking Adams. His yards per route run number is 2.26 which puts him in the you know, like 10th overall among um, that's among volume target earners. And that's right ahead of Jamar chase. So, and if you look at his number there, his yards per route run number versus say Mark Andrews, he just blows him out of the water. His PFF grade. I know that's not for everybody, but it is one metric we look at. His grade is 91.9. That's nearly 12 points higher, 12 points higher than any other tight end. He is, I mean, you want to talk about tier, tier of their own. He is in a tier of his own way more than even Mahomes is. Nobody can touch this guy. It was, I, I, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of Mark Andrews. I think he's a great player. But he is not on the same planet as number 87. Kelsey is the best. And this is just our periodic check-in 
to ensure that we don't underappreciate what we have in him. Cause I know we said he's the, uh, you know, Paul Rudd shared the fountain of youth with him. And I hope that's true. And I hope he plays another three, four or five years. He said the other day, he wants to break Tony Gonzalez's record. I'm rooting for him, but I'm not expecting it. If it happens, like we're, we're really blessed, but we've already been really blessed. Uh, to me, he's the goat. We've talked about that before. And it's just crazy. He puts up a hundred yard game and nobody talks about him because we just expect it. It's clockwork. Uh, but as blocking Adam and in response, you say, shut up nerds. Who cares about his blocking? He's a good blocker. Is he George Kittle blocking? No, but why would you use him in that role? Mm-hmm. They'd be like asking George Kittle to do everything. Travis Kelsey does receiving. You know why he can't do it. They're, they're different. They play the same position, but they do things slightly differently or slightly different. It's okay. What Travis Kelsey does is historic. He's the best tight end in the NFL right now, and it's not even close. Why would you use him at blocking? Why would you take what he does best away from this offense? It makes zero sense. I never understood that argument. It's It blows my mind. It would blow my mind. Travis Kelsey, you are one of one. You're the best tight end by far in the NFL right now, not even close. Here's another reason why that argument doesn't make sense. Gronk broke down. George Kittle is always hurt. If you use them like half tackle, half receiver, they're not going to hold up. They're not tackles. If you use them like that, they'll break down. I'm glad the Chiefs don't use him as as a glorified tackle. I'm glad that they they use him almost more like, you know, like he's a move tight end. Uh, when Arthur Smith uses Kyle Pitts as a blocker, I just scratch my head. What are you doing? You know, that guy's one of the best receivers in the league or has the potential to be that. So I'm glad our coaching staff recognizes what they have in Kelsey. They want to preserve his longevity and keep him healthy. So yeah, he does some blocking, but let's have him out there running routes like 95% of the time, please. He is the same age as Rob Gronkowski. Incredible. Let's get into the parting shot. What do you have for us? So it's Christmas week. And man, I can't believe that. Can you? This year just. (laughs) So my present to you guys, and maybe Sterling will have something to add here. I have some recommendations. I know it can get boring. You're not at work. Time with the in-laws. You're like, I'm going to pull my hair out. So I have some pop culture recommendations for you guys. The first is a movie called Violent Night. Have you heard about this? It's basically like Die Hard, except John McClane is uh, is a drunken Santa. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It, it, it stars the dude that plays Hopper on Stranger Things. My next recommendation is a TV show, Andor. I thought I was burned out by Star Wars, uh, but this show is uh, it's slick, it's sophisticated, it is it's, it's a great ride. It's Star Wars. Yeah, it's, it's nerdy, but it actually, this one is a little cooler than the usual Star Wars fair, I will say. Uh, my album for you is, uh, I'm a rap fan. It's Sick by Earl Sweatshirt. Uh, I, I'm really into him. Check it out. Uh, the song, uh, this is a band that I love. I don't know how Sterling feels about them, but the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, they have been gone for 10 years. 
basically I, I think their last album was nine years ago and they have a new song that's incredible it's called relatively new spitting off the edge of the world i've been i've had that on repeat and then the last thing i have for you is a book uh i grew up on stephen king kind of cut my teeth as a writer actually reading his book about writing so i've always just been a huge fan but i haven't liked something of his in a while and he has a new book called fairy tale that if you're bored and, and you're you know you're popping in that airport bookstore maybe scoop it i got a few then uh two christmas albums my two favorite christmas albums it's not gonna be dean martin frank sinatra i appreciate those right very fun to listen to family uh family friendly but if you want two a little different in my opinion better socks by jd mcpherson it is just an incredible uh they're not covers. These are all his own songs, and I think they're very, very good. Uh, and then James Brown, A Funky Christmas. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. James Brown, A Funky Christmas always gets me going. Uh, that's what I always like playing on Christmas. That's my go-to. Uh, and then as far as book, um, I'll go Closing Time by Joseph Heller. Uh, just finished that one. Um, ended up being my 40th book of the year. So I, wow. I hit my goal. Yeah, I'm proud of myself. Um, it was a humble brag, I know, but I was proud of myself. Hey, that's um, impressive. But he wrote Catch-22. This was the sequel 33 years later uh, from Catch-22. It's not as good, I'll, I'll admit it, but part of the whimsical jokes are still there with Yozarian. I, I like it a lot. So it, no, it's not Catch-22. So if you're expecting the same, you'll be disappointed. But if you go into it with an open mind, knowing you're never going to capture what happened in that book, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a bucket list read. You know, you got to check off the classics and part of your uh, culture itinerary. So the parting shot for this week is flip the switch. If you think back, I don't know how many of you are basketball fans. This was a common expression used during the Kobe Shaq Lakers dynasty. It was used to explain how the team would sometimes coast through the regular season, then turn up in the playoffs. And it's appropriate here. The Mahomes-Kelsey connection being coached by Reed is probably the closest thing in the NFL to the Kobe Shaq duo that was coached by Phil Jackson. When a team stays on top this long, they become the hunted. And like we said with the Texans, every team gives them their best shot. You can count on that week after week. They also play more games than the other team uh, due to having these long postseason runs. And that can wear you down a little bit. We worry about lackluster performances against bad teams, but it's hard to get the intensity turned up to 11 given their predicament. It's just hard to do you know, every single time, but make no mistake about it. When the playoffs hit, this team will be ready. They will flip the switch on offense at least. I, no guarantees about the defense. I'm not, I'm not that brave. But everybody, thanks for tuning in. Until next Wacky Wednesday, go Chiefs!
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.